Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks, and today is a bonus podcast on... A rather weird subject, I guess, but the headline of this has probably grabbed your attention, which is, is wildlife photography dead? And by that, I mean a career in wildlife photography. Now, I should firstly start by saying, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers, and I'm not trying to dash the dreams and hopes of people getting into this industry. But I feel like it's worth noting some of these things down. And I have got a podcast planned with another wildlife photographer somewhere down the line to really go through the nitty-gritties of being a professional wildlife photographer and talk about some of the, the politics and the things that you just don't hear about, like, for example, like what money we make, uh, what we all think of each other, do we all get along, the the hardships it takes on your social life, the sort of things that you can't read online, you know, that aren't going to be in a fucking prospectus for a university, the actual stuff that is useful. Uh, So we're going to do that eventually. But I thought before that, I'd do a little teaser, if you like, a little taste of it. And I was sat in my office, or I'm sat in my office right now. And originally, I was going to do this as a Instagram story and talk about how big wildlife photography projects are largely non-profitable. And then it spiralled out of control. I thought, you know what, let's just do a podcast. Now, this is all opinional. You've got every right to disagree with me. But this is just my opinion on it. And what I mean by that is when I say that, you know, big, long passion projects are are, are pointless or not passion projects. But, you know, if you want to kind of make money from it, let's take, for example, what I do. So fish photography. And let's think, right, I really, really want to photograph, let's say, a pike. And I've got a specific shot in my mind. Um, Let's say a split level pike in a sunset, you know, really eye-grabbing shot. And let's say it takes me three months to get that shot. Now, it could take years, it could take a week, you know, how long is a piece of string? But let's just say for argument's argument's sake, it takes me three months. Am I going to make three months' wages from that image? No, of course I'm not going to. I'll make some money from that image, and it could be wildly successful, but chances are I'm not going to make enough money to support my income for three months and certainly to uh, to say right I'm not going to do anything else but just take this picture because I think although there is a, a case of managing time you do have to really fully commit I feel like this is more a thing for competition photographers than anything but you know if you want those kind of uh, images on Instagram that are going to go nuts you do need to really spend time on on taking these photographs and often you're not going to see that money back. It's not going to make sense to do that, which is a shame because then you think, okay, then, well, what's the alternative? And what I normally do is I compromise. So I'm well aware that I am not a groundbreaking photographer. I'm the first one to point out my flaws. I'm not a bad photographer either. I'm not being completely self-deprecating, but I, I don't take anything that's, you know, too amazing. However, I do know what images sell and I know how to take those images in a cost-effective way. So I'm very good at 
again, I don't. I, I hate bigging my own praises. I'm the last person to shout my own praises. But I'm very good at making money from wildlife photography because I've been in the industry enough. I don't make a huge amount, but I make enough to live. But I know exactly how to take images that would have more of a wow factor. It's just that I know it would not be cost effective for me to spend the time on those images. One of the reasons why in recent years I've mellowed to using paid hides. When I first started out, I thought, oh, it's lazy. There's no skill. Why would you want to sit in a photography hide um, and do that? But it makes so much sense. Like, you know, the classic one, Alan McFadden, who came on the podcast with Sparrowhawks. I could photograph Sparrowhawks in my garden, potentially, or I could maybe find them in a local woodland. But it would take me months and months to get anywhere near what Alan could, can do in a morning. So why the fuck would I spend all that time on my local patch when I can get it done in a morning? It does not make financial sense. If you have the time to spend on your local patch, that's great. But in the real world, not everyone does have the time to do those sort of things. And it brings up questions of, is there a case of class and capital in wildlife photography? E.g. people who come from middle class to upper class backgrounds or simply people who have more financial means are going to be at a severe advantage to those who don't. They can afford to spend months getting that amazing image. It would be an amazing little study to look at photography competitions and look at the winners and to see what kind of background they're from. I would hazard a guess most of them are pretty comfortable. Again, I'm not criticising people who do have uh, more money or come from middle class backgrounds. That doesn't inherently mean you're a bad person, of course, but it does mean that you've got an advantage over people who come from less privileged backgrounds, for example. Wildlife photography on the whole has plummeted in recent years. And, you know, I'm not going to be one of those photographers because you get this with old school wildlife photographers. They love to remind you of how the good old days I used to make, you know, X amount of money and it was really good. And then digital came along and everyone started to everyone's a photographer now and uh, they just moan, even though they're all doing fine. You know, they're probably not making as much money as they used to, but they're not making, you know, they're doing absolutely fine. Stock is dead. Stock photography is just gone. And again, historically, photographers could have made their entire income or certainly a massive amount of passive income, which is very important for passion projects and photography projects. Because you can just send off a load of images, go off and do what you like, and you'll get money trickling in. Likewise with books and magazines and other stuff I'll come on to. But nowadays, I mean, I used to be part of four stock libraries. Two of them have shut down. RSBB Picture Library, I don't make nearly what I used to. Alamy, I'm on, which is a very generalist library. I don't make a lot out of that as well. In fact, we did a whole podcast on this subject. And if you are interested in that, go back and have a look. We, we interviewed... Uh, ben Andrew, who runs the RSBB Picture Library. So if you want to know more about that sort of thing, do go back and listen to that because we go in more detail. And what a lot of photographers did after the collapse of the stock market is they looked to workshops because with everyone picking up digital cameras, they all wanted to learn how to use them. So the workshop market kind of flurried for, for a while, but ultimately that's gone the way of the stock market in that Everyone is a photographer now and everyone thinks they can teach photography now 
Uh, I think it's a shame actually in the UK that there are no regulations. Anyone can run a photography workshop, which means that you do get a hell of a lot of workshops where people are charging peanuts for it. And it undermines what some of the other people are doing, which again, you could just say, well, maybe you're, you're overpriced from the off, but it does mean that it, it's difficult. So when I first started, I used to do a lot of workshops. I waited a couple of years. I thought, I can't run workshops straight away. I'm fresh out of uni. Got, you know, my umbilical board still hanging out. I thought, well, I better learn a bit more about photography or teach it. Then I started doing workshops and I was pretty busy, fairly, fairly busy. Whereas now I'm lucky if I do three or four a year. Admittedly, I don't I don't really plug them anymore. I've not taken them off my website, but I um, I don't do nearly as many as I used to because people just aren't interested. Uh, not like they used to be. I mean, I, I charge £120 for a one-to-one. And depending who you ask, that's expensive or cheap. A high-range photographer would say that's cheap, whereas, you know, a company might say that that's way too expensive. And I get a few people, but not many. I normally get three or four people book around Christmas, and that's about it. So the workshop market has kind of gone that that way of the stock, where that they've been priced down and priced down and priced down to the point where workshops are even difficult to make money from now, where they used to be a bit of a cash cow, it's a lot more difficult. And commissions, uh, you know, they're the holy grail for the wildlife photographer. Every wildlife photographer loves to get a commission because it's normally a good chunk of cash and bragging rights. You know, there are certain photographers who love to remind you that they've worked for certain organisations. And um, they're rare, though. You know, I mean, I... I'm lucky that I'm specialist, so I, I, I get a few, but I, I probably only get three or four a year, maybe, but that's more than some get. So you can't really rely on commissions either. Talks are another way of making money. COVID's not helped. You know, you can you can do Zoom and whatever. Uh, I like to do the in-person talks. I wouldn't say that they've plummeted too much. If anything, you'd think they've risen a little bit. But things like books and magazines, the money's gone there as well. Printed media is no matter how you look at it, it's on a downfall to a degree because of online media. And again, I did a podcast about books. You can go back. I think it was the the second podcast on the whole series that I did. If you go back and have a look, essentially just me moaning about how um, books are not a very good way of making money. The trouble is, with a photography book, they're expensive to print. So the profit margins are already slim. If you do a paperback book, you can make some good money because they're they're... they're Piss, piss all to print. They don't cost nothing. A sweatshop in China or whatever makes those and they cost nothing. So you make a good amount of money on paperback books. But photo books cost a lot of money. So you, you in fact tend to find now most people self-publish uh, photography books, which is, a you know, again, it's a huge financial risk. And most publishers will only do photo books with kind of bigger names or very wide appealing subjects. So books are not a way to make a huge amount of money. You can make money from them, not a huge amount. Magazines, they've gone tits up as well. Again, in the good old days, you get commissioned to do articles and they buy images off you, but the prices over the years have just gone and gone and gone. Um, I won't name the magazine, but there was one um, scuba diving magazine. I remember when I first started about eight years ago, they paid 400 quid for a three-page spread, which I thought, you know, that, that's all right. I'm pretty happy with that. They pay 90 quid for the same thing now. So in less than a decade, it's dropped by, 
I can't do maths, but it dropped by nearly four times. Uh, no, no, it hasn't. It's dropped a significant amount. So online has obviously become more popular. So there are online articles, but people don't pay a lot. You don't get a lot of money for online articles. So even though you could argue there's more work online, you get paid less for it. So you're, you're doing more work and getting paid less to do it, which isn't ideal. There are other things, of course, like mirrorless, the rise of digital. I mean, mirrorless cameras now are brilliant. I mean, hats off to them. But there are some cameras that shoot something like 18 frames a second. And some even have a pre... Uh, for, I don't know what the software is called, like a preemptive thing. So you press the shutter and it will actually take shots just prior to the shutter. So essentially, you never miss a shot. So it's becoming easier to take very good images, which I think a lot of professionals are sweating about a little bit because before it was their world, no one could touch them. And now anyone with a reasonable amount of money and time can take images that 20 years ago would have would have won wildlife photography of the year. Now it's 40 Facebook likes or uh, you know on Instagram, and then you scroll on to the next whatever you know picture of a cat licking its balls or something on on Instagram. So it's a tricky industry, and you might very well say, well, if it's that hard, Jack, you know, how are you surviving? And I'll be honest with you, on the stills front, uh, I make piss all. I don't make a lot on stills. Video is the saving grace. While the, the stills photography market has pretty much collapsed, the video market is going from strength to strength. I do think at some point it'll end up like stills, but at the moment there is plenty of work in video and that is what is keeping me uh, afloat. And, you know, I prefer stills. I love stills photography. And, and every photographer slash videographer I've spoken to has said the same thing. If you gave them the choice, they'd much rather do stills, but it's just not financially viable anymore. And some of you might be thinking, well, you're just saying that, Jack, to put off the, the new breed, to put off these people who want to come up the ranks. And, you know, take it for what you will. I'm trying to just give you a friendly word of warning. I'm not saying you can't make money. And, and I've said this before on the podcast. Anyone can make money from wildlife photography. Very, very few people can make a full-time living. It is that difficult. And I'm not trying to crush your dreams. I'm just telling you how it is. Because you can listen to, you know, some of the bullshit people spout go, if you try hard, you will succeed. Fortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Not everyone can succeed. And it's tough, but there you go. Video is a nice option to do this. So I would just recommend, uh, if you're thinking about doing stills photography as a career, definitely learn how to video as well. It helps so, so much. But there are, you know, I mean, I am thinking about actually saving money up so that I can do a long-term project because I've got a list as long as my arm of images that I would like to take. There's so many images and I know exactly where and how to do them, but financially I'm worried about committing that time. So I would literally have to save up money to justify taking those pictures, which I don't want, and I don't want that, I'm not an arrogant person and I really, really hope I'm not coming across as an arrogant person. But I know I can take better pictures. I just don't have the time or resources to do that. Um, and I'd love, I mean, I'd love to take a year off and, and not worry about commissions or whatever and just take the pictures I want to take. But realistically, I don't have the capital to do that. You know, at the minute, the amount of money that I make, I make enough money to pay my mortgage. I make enough money for my shopping and all that kind of stuff. 
but I don't have a lot left over. I'm lucky that I don't live an extravagant life. Plonk me by a river and I'm more than happy. I'm like a pig in shit. So I don't have all these expensive things that are going to, you know, drain my resources. Thank fuck, because otherwise I'd, I'd, I'd have been in a cardboard box on the street a long time ago. But um, somewhere down the line, I will do that. I'll, I'll just take a year off. I'll shut down my social media. I won't do none of it. And I'll just take the pictures I want to take, because I'd love to do that. Be a great little thing to do. Somewhere down the line, I'll um, I'll do it. But that's my thoughts on it. And I don't know if there'll be any other photographers listening to this. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Do you think that wildlife photography, if someone is starting out afresh right now, is it possible? Is it dead? Is it pointless? What are your experiences of it? It's a tricky one. It is a it's a hard one. What's got me thinking about this is that recently I had an accident um, where I slipped a disc in my spine because of a condition that I have, uh, hypodermic mobility syndrome. And it means that I can no longer scuba dive. Or if I did scuba dive, I'd be, you know, very vulnerable to damaging it further. And I've had to reevaluate my, my life, really, to a degree, but certainly how I do my work. I won't scuba dive again now. I won't risk it. I'm getting rid of some of my long lenses because they're too heavy. I don't want to risk hurting myself. I couldn't walk. Couldn't walk for a couple of days. I had to go to A&E. And it, was, it really scared me. It scared the shit out of me, actually. Because I'm, I'm only young. I don't want to, you know, have anything like that badly happen. And that's what just made me think, you know, Jesus Christ, this is a tough industry. And for example, I stopped working for two weeks and financially I felt that, not doing anything for two weeks. But yeah, enough about me. You don't need to need to hear my woes. But yeah, let me know what you people think. Do you think that it is a, a tough industry to crack and can people do it? Are you thinking about doing it? Hopefully I've not put you off too much, but just given you food for all, food for thought. It doesn't hurt to have a backup plan, certainly. And, you know, I've always said that uh, for whatever reason, if I couldn't do wildlife photography, um, what else would I do? I'd be just as happy as long as I was outdoors. Wouldn't matter to me. The camera's just a tool for the job. It's the nature I enjoy. Wouldn't matter. And I think it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan. Even at my level, you know, I, I would say I'm not top of the food chain, but I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know, mid-range maybe. Um I'm still, you know, next year I might not be doing it. You never know. You never know. And you do quietly see those names. You know, you'll, you'll see someone on social media and they're active for a year or two and then they just disappear off the dartboard and then you'll find out, oh, actually, they've given that up and they now distill gin or they do something completely different because they just couldn't make it work. It's a hard one. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcasts um, as they've been coming up. I've been enjoying doing them. Um and let me know who else you'd like me to try and get on as well. Um, I've not done a ranty podcast for a while. Hopefully this wasn't too ranty. Um, but yeah, this is the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks. And I'll catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>